screen. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, guys. That was great. That was really, really good. And I hope that as you were singing that to us, and we were listening to those words and reading those words, that all of us took on board the words that you were singing this evening. But I hope that as you were practicing that and singing that for us this evening, that you were able to take in those words as well, that freedom that Christ has secured, true freedom at the cross, the finished work of Jesus at the cross. Because in our world today, there are many people who will tell you how to find freedom and will try and define what a free life looks like. But that is real freedom in Christ. But hey, that's not actually my sermon tonight. That's just a bonus for extra and it doesn't cost one penny more. But instead, I want for a moment tonight to think about eating together. And this has been a week of special meals for me. Um, I was celebrating two birthdays within my family and my circle of friends, one of which there was loads of food at. I was out with the people who have been coming along to the warm place on Tuesday mornings. We had our breakfast on Tuesday morning past up in the Ross Park, and it was a big breakfast. I see some of the, I was going to say culprits here tonight. Um, I think the Ross Park has gone into liquidation since we cleaned out all their food on Tuesday morning. But I'm duty-bound to say, and indeed I can honestly say, that the best meal this week was going out with my wife for lunch on Monday because the way our working lives work out these days, that doesn't happen too often. And we had it, and this is a bit of advertising here, I thoroughly recommend it, Crave above Makatamni's and Balamina, big, big portion sizes, okay? And uh, if, you, if you order the loaded fries as I did, I couldn't actually finish them. Now, that is quite a thing if I cannot finish a plate of food, but it was incredible. But I want to ask you, what is it that you talk about when you're out with someone for a meal? Because I quite often observe people sitting in absolute silence, and it seems like an awkward silence until the food arrives, and then that kind of gives them an excuse to say nothing at all, and then the plate is cleared away, and they continue to sit in silence until the, the bill is received. Now, thankfully, when Bill Ann and I head out, it's not quite as bad as that. But what do we talk about? Well, I'm giving away the secrets of our marriage here. Increasingly, we talk about the people around us and what they're talking about, because these days when you go out for a meal, you really are crammed in together. Social distant, distancing is a thing of the past, so that if I'm sitting there, I see Belle Ann taking her phone out and texting, and I think, that's a bit rude, you know, going out with me. And then, and then I feel the buzz in my pocket, lift out the phone, and Belle Ann has texted something like, that was some holiday your woman was on. It must have cost a fortune. I just give her a little nod, take a, a sip of water, and just let that move on. But in Luke chapter 22, we read together about a special meal that Jesus was sharing with his disciples. And the agenda for that meal and what people would talk about was already set. Indeed, in the scriptures, it had determined 
what people like Jesus and his disciples and their fellow Jews would sit and talk about as they had that meal together. That meal was the Passover. And I want us for a few moments tonight to think about this special meal that Jesus was having with his disciples on the night before his death. What is it that they had gathered together to celebrate? And importantly, what does that tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ? Luke, in his gospel, explains the purpose of that meal. He tells us in that chapter, if you turn with me again to Luke chapter 22 and verse 7, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And it's hard to overestimate just how big a deal the Passover was for Jewish people back then and still today. In fact, if you've been watching the news over the last few days, you will have seen the pictures of the unrest that's been happening in Jerusalem, especially up around the Temple Mount. And one of the reasons why things have kicked off in that part of Israel again is because this year, Easter, and in the case of the disruption there, the Passover and Ramadan are all happening at the same time. All of these pilgrims, all of these people celebrating these special festivals converging on the one place at the one time. Passover was the focal point for Jews like Jesus and his disciples. And that's why the Lord gives such careful instructions because he has in mind a much greater sacrifice that is about to happen. So that he says in verse 7 to his disciples, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. So we need to keep in mind just how big a deal the Passover was. The other thing that we need to keep in mind as we think about these verses is the timetable of, of what's happening here. Because in all of the Gospels, we are given such great detail about those days leading up to the cross, indeed those hours leading up to the cross, that we can be inclined to think that all of these things happened over a long period of time. And what we need to understand is that the events that we read about here in Luke chapter 22, this meal that Jesus had with his disciples happened on the eve of his death on the cross, the death that we gather together to remember and think about tonight. And that's really important that we understand that. So hold that thought as we think about the Passover together. But what was this Passover meal really all about? Well, the Passover was the big moment in the history of God's people, the, 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 the history of the nation of Israel. It was something that would be forever remembered. And it's an event that we can read about in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 12. So if you flick in your Bible over to Exodus 12, kind of keeping two places at once in Luke 22 
and Exodus 12. In fact, we here in Connor have thought about this chapter before. Remember when we thought about God's people on the move? And we looked at that part of the story of the Exodus as God's people sought to be freed from captivity in Egypt. And it was this event that people were called to remember forevermore. Look at Exodus 12 and verse 14 and the instruction that comes from the Lord. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance, something that has been given to them by God. And so, what's going on this night in the upper room, the night before Jesus' death, is that Jesus and his disciples are being good Jews. They are observing the Passover meal in the way that they were commanded to do in Scripture, in their Bible. And Luke tells us in that chapter in verse 14 that they reclined at the table. So, all of that medieval art and that kind of Renaissance art, the Last Supper, all of those pictures that kind of look at the Last Supper through that lens, that's not how it was before. It wasn't like a church hall table with a nice cloth over it. They reclined, as did all people in the Middle East at that time and still some today. The table would have been right down at ground level. There would have been cushions scattered around and they would have been lying on their side, probably leaning their head on one hand and using the other to scoop up and lift and eat the food while they talked. And they ate those different foods that told the story of the Passover. And if you look back at Exodus, in Exodus chapters 11 and 12, it describes the events that this meal remembered. It was a time when God's people were being held in slavery in Egypt. And if you read through Exodus chapters 5 to 11, you read there how God sent a series of plagues that expressed his judgment against the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, and his people for not obeying the Lord and letting his people go. And all of this then culminates in chapter 11 of Exodus, when we read that God brought a judgment on Egypt that was so severe that Pharaoh was bound to let God's people go. He wouldn't want to have anything more to do with them. What the Lord planned to do was to send an angel that would take the life of the firstborn son on every household in the land. It was a horrible thing. But the key thing for us to understand as we look at that chapter in Exodus is that alongside the judgment, there was also rescue. The Lord provided a means of rescue for His people, the children of Israel. So that if you look then at chapter 12, each Israelite household had to sacrifice a lamb take some of the, the blood from that lamb and put it on the sides 
and the top of the door frames of their homes. And here's what we're told in verse 12 of Exodus 12. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And that is the story of the Passover. That moment that was to be commemorated by Jews ever since. And a moment that is being commemorated here by Jesus and his disciples right before his own death. And you may ask, so what? Why does Luke take so many verses to tell us about this meal, given what just lies ahead? Why doesn't he jump straight in to the main action of Easter? Indeed, tonight, on this evening of Good Friday, when our focus should be very much on the cross where Jesus died. Why am I taking time to think about the events of the evening before, to talk about something that had happened hundreds of years before Jesus' death? Well, if we come back to Luke chapter 22, we see that the Lord Jesus links this big moment of God's rescue that was being celebrated and remembered with what he was about to do. Look again at verse 14 of Luke 22. We're told by Luke that when the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And there are a couple of things that strike me about what Jesus is saying there. First of all, Luke talks about when the hour came. And are they talking about the appointed hour for this meal? Well, no, Luke is describing something much deeper and more significant. He's saying this is the moment. The time had arrived when Jesus would ultimately fulfill his mission. This is what it was all about. This is why the Lord Jesus had been sent into the world. And Jesus knew this himself. All of these preparations, everything happening in the way that it did that night was linked into what would soon take place. He says, before I suffer. And this was to be the greatest act of rescue ever. It's an act that Jesus links to the Passover. So if we come back to the Passover one last time, there's something about this story in the book of Exodus that people may wonder about. Think for a moment about your own family and the different places that they live. So if I go and visit my mom and dad in Belfast, 
or if I go and visit my brother in Lisburn, or if I go and visit my father-in-law just outside Rishorkin, I don't need to set Google Maps to go there. And when I arrive at those places, I certainly don't need a big sign put up outside the house saying, Philip, your mom and dad live here. I know where they live. As I look at that house in Ingledale Park in North Belfast, where I grew up and spent all of my early life, I know exactly who it is that is inside that house and the fact that they belong to me. I belong to them. As the Passover happened, did God not know who his people were? Well, of course, God knew who his people were. In fact, when it talks about the blood, it says this is to be a sign to you, the people living in those homes. So, what's going on with this blood sprinkled around the door? What's its purpose? Well, think about where this blood came from. Because back in verse 6 of Exodus 12, we're told that it was the blood of slaughtered and sacrificed sheep or goats. And it brings to mind that sacrificial system that we read so much about in the Old Testament scriptures and that was so key to God's people. And in that sacrificial system, the, the scapegoat or the lamb took the place of a person. It made atonement for that person's sin. So the key thing to understand on that night of the Passover is that God's people needed the protection of the blood of the sacrificed animals. That sacrifice was necessary for them too because they too were subject to God's judgment. They too were sinful people. Remember one of the, the subheadings we gave to that series on the move when we thought about the book of Exodus? We described it as the story of an unlikely people and a faithful God. They seemed so undeserving of God's love as we are so undeserving of God's love because this is our story as well. And so tonight, believer in Christ, as our focus is on the cross where Jesus died, you need to understand the nature of your salvation. And it is so important that we grasp this. It's not the case that our sin is ignored or that our sin is unimportant. Rather, it's the case that our sin is dealt with at the cross. Someone else, Jesus, through his death, through the shedding of his blood, takes the punishment that you deserve. So that if you're a believer in Christ, you are protected by his blood, by nothing else. Not by your reputation, not by your ability to believe these things, but by the blood of the Lamb. 
And as we think about that, that's a really sobering thing for those here tonight who have not believed in Christ to hear that you are in need of His sacrifice, that your sin is such a serious thing and it makes you subject to the judgment of God. You need a Savior. So what does this mean for us as we come towards the end? Well, it's such a reminder to us that ultimately it is all about Jesus. That as much as we want to make the story of our salvation, the story of our discipleship about us, it is actually all about Him. The Passover was a picture of what the Lord Jesus was about to do, what it was that lay ahead for Him the very next day. And we think of the words of John the Baptist who when he saw Jesus walking past, pointed to him and said to his own followers, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We're about to finish. But in this last minute, what do we take away from this? Tonight, are you weighed down by sin? Are you feeling and indeed knowing that not all is right in your life? Or maybe conversely, do you think that you are well sorted with God and you feel quite proud about that? You feel this sense of, look at me and my standing. Well, you need to hear these words as we finish this time in God's Word. The words of the old hymn writer Horatius Boner, who in his hymn, Not What These Hands Have Done Can Save My Guilty Soul, puts it like this. He says in worship and in praise, your work alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin. Your blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. Your love to me, O God, not mine, O Lord, to thee, can rid me of this dark unrest and set my spirit free. We're going to reflect on this as we remain seated. We're going to sing together the words of the beautiful hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.